Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Remember when all everybody was talking about was coronavirus testing? From Connecticut to Colorado, Ohio to Alabama, roughly a dozen states are now offering drive-through COVID-19 testing. Cars lined up for what looked like miles outside a testing site at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles yesterday. And the government still faces serious questions over the limited level of coronavirus testing. Now lately, it's all been about vaccine this, vaccine that, which makes total sense, especially with everything that's been going on with vaccines. But testing is still hugely important and is going to play a big role in getting things back to normal. We're in a situation where it feels like the pandemic is improving. It feels like we're in a better place. Yet this pandemic is still killing hundreds of Americans every single day. That's David Lim. He's a healthcare reporter here at Politico. We have to remember that this virus is a virus that can spread asymptomatically. There's a chance that even if you guys feel great, that you don't feel sick at all, that you may be carrying this virus and spreading it. David knows a thing or two about tests of all kinds. Is there a test that you would say is like the hardest you've ever taken in your life? (laughs) I would have to say mathematical economics in college. Yikes. (laughs) Um, It was in the basement of one of the college buildings and everyone took the entire uh, time allotment and the The test ended at 10.40 at night. Oh my God, that sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to coronavirus tests. We have to kind of take a step back and ask ourselves, what is the purpose of a COVID test? David has been reporting on the ins and outs of testing since the very beginning of the pandemic and knows them backward and forward. So today on the show, we're going to break down everything you need to know about COVID tests and what sort of role they're going to play in the future of the pandemic, from schools to your living room. All right, let's start real basic here. What exactly is a coronavirus test? Sure. A coronavirus test is a diagnostic test that tries to detect um, either the protein on the surface of the virus or the virus itself on a typically a swab or perhaps a saliva sample from a patient. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so I know there are all different kinds of coronavirus tests out there, right? What is being used right now and where? So there are kind of three main types of COVID tests that you might seek out or receive right now at this point in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's uh, lab-based what are called PCR tests, tests that you usually will take at a mass site or perhaps a doctor's office that are uh, the sample is taken on a swab or maybe you'll spit into a tube and that tube is sent to a laboratory where they're going to conduct a test on it and then you'll get the result back. Okay, so I think those are the ones that that I've used before at like mass public testing sites where I've gotten the sample taken and then it's taken a few days for me to get an email back um, eventually with the results. Yep. Got it. What are the other two main kinds of testing out there now? The second might be a point of care test where you might get prescribed a test because you have COVID symptoms or perhaps you had a close exposure with an individual who had the disease Mm -hmm. and you want to know right away if you might have the disease yourself. 
So your doctor may administer that test in a doctor's office, or perhaps you have a person administering test at a CVS. Uh These are usually antigen tests, and you're going to get the result right away. And then the third bucket of tests, which are a little bit rare right now, are at-home tests, where an individual may be able to buy eventually these at-home tests at a, a retail pharmacy or perhaps another location, bring it home and swab themselves and maybe be able to get a result um, right in the comfort of their own homes. You mentioned that these at-home ones are rare. Are there ones that do exist? Like, can people get these now? Yeah, so there are a handful of authorized at-home tests, but it's certainly difficult to get your hands on them still. However, as the FDA tries to take some steps to get more of these tests onto the market, we're going to see a lot more of these at-home tests, particularly at-home screening tests where you're going to be instructed to test yourself a few times, not just one time, to ensure the accuracy of the test in the upcoming weeks to months. Mm -hmm. Particularly for uh, school children, that's a population where we're going to see COVID testing expand in the upcoming few months and perhaps even next fall um, when the school year resumes. I want to talk more about that with schools, because I know that's an area where testing is going to be huge, especially depending on when vaccines are available for school age children. But first, do we know what type of test is the most accurate, like the kind that we should really trust? Most of the time, lab-based PCR tests are what are referred to as the gold standard. Now, there's been a lot of controversy in the field. There are a lot of advocates for rapid antigen tests that are administered several times over the course of a a week or a month um, to the same individual. And a lot of people argue that those types of tests can be as accurate, particularly at the point of, let's say, peak infectiousness of uh, COVID infection. Hmm. However, we have to kind of take a step back and ask ourselves, what is the purpose of a COVID test? The purpose of a COVID test is to make sure that an individual who's infected that gets tested and gets that positive result back can take steps to isolate themselves from broader society to ensure that they don't pass on a COVID infection to more people. So it's a complicated question. The accuracy is one component, but the time between when you take the test and when you receive the test is also an important component for not only the individual, but contact tracers to reach out to people who that person may have already interacted with to try to stop chains of transmission. Hmm. So for schools, testing is what can really help with reopening for in-person classes safely. What kind of testing and strategies are being used by schools or will be used at schools? So a lot of the school testing programs, and we're still watching these be set up, but a lot of them actually are relying on PCR tests which are the lab-based test, Mm -hmm. or pooled test, which is where you combine multiple individual samples into one uh, test uh, that is done in a laboratory, and then it will be returned. And if a singular pool ends up being positive, all the people that were made that constitute that pool, let's say it's a handful of kids, uh, they'll all get individual tests at that point. And from what I understand from talking to sources is that part of the idea behind um, using PCR testing for schools is that it's kind of by uh, definition going to be a repeated test over time. So school children might be tested, let's say, every week. Uh Um, So 
you might be able to head off infections pretty quickly. Um, it's not just one test at one moment in time. And to be clear, with kids going to school and needing to be tested to be in the classroom, it would be or is the schools doing the testing, not the parents' responsibility, right? Yeah, so a lot of school districts have already set up testing programs in classrooms already. So, for example, New York Public Schools and I've been told Chicago Public Schools have been working with bioreference laboratories. Um, Part of the $10 billion school testing program that the Biden administration wants to implement really relies on school districts setting up testing programs inside the walls of the school itself. So ideally, parents wouldn't have to go get their child tested on their own. Um, It's trying to reduce the friction there. However, one thing that I'm going to be watching is how quickly these programs and these monies will actually be spent. Obviously, the school year is coming to a close pretty rapidly at this point. It's already mid-April. Beyond schools, how would you say testing fits into the broader pandemic situation and, you know, the future of it returning to normal, hopefully over the coming weeks and months and why we should care about it at this moment. Yeah. So I think we can look at the current situation that we're seeing in a lot of areas of the United States right now about what what the utility of testing is. It still gives a a picture of what uh, the spread of the disease is in communities at the high level and then obviously still gives actionable data to an individual who might be infected to isolate themselves. We're still seeing thousands of COVID tests reported every day as positive. Um, And I think one thing that will be interesting to see is what happens as more of the United States gets vaccinated But as long as we still have this high level of infection and cases being logged, there's still going to be a place for testing to play a role. David, Lim, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks, Jeremy. It's really great being here with you. Also today... Prosecutors are not filing criminal charges against the U.S. Capitol Police officer who fired the shot that killed 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt, who was part of a mob trying to break into the Capitol on January 6th. The U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. announced on Wednesday that evidence does not prove beyond reasonable doubt that the officer who fired the shot, who remains unidentified, did so with any intent to violate the law. Babbitt is the only person who died of a gunshot wound on January 6th. Four others, including a Capitol Police officer, died during or immediately after the insurrection. And the White House Correspondents Association says it is canceling its annual dinner for the second year in a row over concerns about the pandemic. In a statement, the WHCA's executive director said, quote, The COVID-19 landscape is just not at a place where we could make the necessary decisions to go ahead with such a large indoor event. The glitzy journalism affair was initially postponed last year because of the pandemic before it was ultimately canceled. This year's event would have coincided with the new Biden administration and offered a possible return to the tradition of the president's attendance after former President Trump skipped the event when it was held the first three years of his term.
Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to follow David Lim's latest reporting on the pandemic, sign up for the Prescription Pulse newsletter, which he co-authors every Tuesday and Thursday. You can find that at politico.com slash newsletters. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. So how did you end up doing on that uh, mathematical economics test in college? (laughs) Um, Well, the curve in the class must have been pretty ginormous uh, (laughs) because I ended up uh, passing that class. Uh, It was uh, a little bit of a, a stressful time waiting for the final grade to come in. Well, I guess that's uh, better than waiting around for a COVID test result. <laughs> uh, 